3: This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Boom. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live and direct from the City of Angels. So much to talk about today. Dallas Cowboys go into Arizona and put a stake through the heart of the Cardinals who are um they are exactly where we thought that they, they are who we thought they were, the Cardinals are. Right? They are who we thought they were. We thought they were rebuilding without knowing they're rebuilding. And I don't care who the quarterback was last night. If you can't protect your quarterback against the three-man rush, you're not beating any team, let alone the Dallas Cowboys. But Dak was better. The Cowboys were good. And in spite of the fact they were tied going into the fourth quarter, and the Cardinals had the ball going into the fourth quarter. I, I don't think the score is indicative, though, of a Cowboys' dominant performance uh, as it appeared to be. But they were better than the Cardinals, and they did move their record to 2-1 and on the season. So, Week 2 is complete. Uh, We will recap it. Dwayne Wade is a Cleveland Cavalier. We'll get to that. I remember when LeBron and D. Wade, first game they played against each other when LeBron was in a Cavs uniform for the second time around. And they were hugging, and LeBron said, we'll do this again sometime. Did you think it was going to be Cleveland? Surprised it didn't happen last year, but it is going to happen this year. So D Wade in Cleveland, Mello in Oklahoma City. You could have seen D Wade in Cleveland. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure you could have seen Mellow in Oklahoma City. I'll get to our thoughts heading into an incredible, what looks to be an incredible NBA season. But the story of the day is the knock at the door, right? Like, every man alive, there, there's, like, two knocks at the— maybe three knocks at the door that you don't want, right? First one is—and there's, like, a kid there. You're like, <laughs> Dad! <laughs> Whoa! Wait, how old are you? You start doing the math in your head. Uh-oh. Uh, second one is IRS. Right? Wow, well, you know, I thought that was a deduction. I really did. I just— I thought I could deduct everything that I paid on everything. And the third one is FBI. Uh, there are different types of investigations. And it's important to point out that just because the FBI arrests you does not mean that you are found guilty of a crime. It's very, very important. And so all 10 people who were charged today in this corruption, fraud and corruption scheme are innocent until they're proven guilty. However, however, uh, this is in many ways how the how the game has been played by some. There's a couple of common misconceptions. Right? One misconception is that everybody's doing it, right? And the guy who gets caught always says, "Everybody, I've gotten pulled over before. Like, hey, why'd you pull me over? You were going 80." Yeah, but everybody's going, eighty. I caught you, doesn't really matter, right? This is this, I have the same feelings towards people who got caught in the steroid investigation or the bulk was Balco or Kirk Radomsky. Remember Kirk Radomsky? He was the Mets clubhouse guy who had the steroids. People were like, well, Kirk Radomsky, there's a Kirk Radomsky in every clubhouse. Like, yeah, but we caught Kirk Radomsky. Barry Bonds was caught with Balco. So with that in mind, yes, other people are doing it and don't get caught. That I would agree with. It doesn't make it okay that you were breaking rules, whether NCA rules or in this case federal laws. I I love it. Guy who guy who is so woke against the NCA wakes up today and is like, "Oh, the NCA, man. The, like the NCAA is like, dude, we didn't even do anything. We just woke up and they're like, "Hey, here you go." Here's a case. And unlike your investigations, we actually have video surveillance. We actually have wide wiretapping, and we have the ability to uh, we have the ability to call witnesses. Right? We ha- we can make you testify. June Kim is the acting U.S. attorney. This is what he said about how it looks for college basketball.
3: The picture painted by the charges brought today is not a pretty one. Coaches at some of the nation's top programs soliciting and accepting cash bribes, managers and financial advisors circling blue chip prospects like coyotes and employees of one of the world's largest sportswear companies secretly funneling cash to the families of high school recruits.
2: Yeah, that's Jim, Jim, Jim Gatto. Who's the um, director of global sports marketing for Adidas and Adidas grassroots uh, that's where that's where so much of this money comes from right he funnels the money through various different means and in this case college coaches have gotten involved now the really smart college coaches a lot of them the head coaches they have their hands washed of it I don't know what happened I don't know they don't even have their assistants don't even have to be involved the shoe company or a financial advisor wants to get involved fine the difference is that most of the assistant coaches have the relationships with the players or the relationships with with uh, with the AU coaches. And those relationships are valuable. So valuable that financial advisors, and this is, uh, I, I thought it was appropriate. They're like wolves. Well, listen, if I give you, because think about it, if you're a financial advisor and you hear a kid has a chance to be an NBA player, I give you some money to make sure that that guy uses me as his financial investor, financial advisor. When he gets done I'll end up making that that money back in spades. Common misconception is everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's not doing it. But there are a portion of kids that have their hands out. And those ones who have their hands out, everybody knows about. Uh, and then the question becomes, can either Bruce Pearl or Rick Patino survive this? Right? The, the irony to this is, I don't know how many of you guys, everybody knows about Bruce Pearl in Tennessee, but I'm not sure if you guys are aware. Bruce Pearl, once upon a time, was the assistant coach at Iowa. And when he was at Iowa, he was recruiting a player. who was the best player in the state of Illinois. And he recorded a conversation in which he asked him repeatedly what he got from the University of Illinois to commit and sign with the University of Illinois I believe it was like 75 grand and a, and a Chevy Blazer at the time. This is back in the 80s. And that brought down the University of Illinois. The irony to it is there is no, at least I, I'm i am still in the process of reading 70 pages, but Chuck Person, of course, played, uh, played for Auburn, is now an assistant coach at Auburn, apparently uh, was funneling money to Austin Wiley, who joined the team mid-season last year. And because of these wiretaps, a recorded conversation could end Bruce Pearl's career, which is, uh, I mean, ironic to say the least, right? And then there's Rick Pitino. There's Rick Pitino. There is, of course, the ability to say, I have plausible deniability. I just recruited the player. I didn't know about it. I didn't talk to Jim Gatto, who's the director of Adidas. I didn't tell him to make sure that this kid got $100,000. I didn't know nothing about nothing, which is essentially what he said in regards to the prostitution sting in which a former assistant coach was bringing in prostitutes to entertain recruits and their their, uh, fathers or their guardians or their guys, whoever was with them, in order to entice them to getting them to sign at Louisville. Like, the idea that you didn't know again. Like, I don't know nothing about nothing about nothing. Patino survived the Italian restaurant and the blackmail extortion attempt. Patino has survived the prostitution, the use of prostitutes in order to entice recruits. This one feels like even if they don't have a smoking gun in terms of proof that he knew it's probably enough. It's probably enough. And so, yeah, you were, what you're going to be exposed to is the seedy underbelly of college basketball. There's a seedy underbelly to pretty much every profession. But what you have to, at some point in your mind, realize is, yes, people cheat on taxes. Most people don't. Yes, people cheat the NCA. Most people don't. Yes, kids are on the take and getting money from agents and shoe companies. Most kids are not. And to the fan that says, hey, everybody's doing it. You got caught. And then, of course, there's USC, who is uh, like, look, USC has this is kind of I, I don't know how much you followed USC basketball, but this is how it always works. Go back and look historically. During the eighties, they had they won the they won the Pac ten, I believe, with Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball and Tom Lewis as freshmen, and then they went on NCA probation. And then in the nineties they had it rolling. And then they went and then they went through NCA investigations. And then OJ Mayo was there and they had it going again. And then they went through it. like this is the pattern for USC. By the way, it's the pattern for uh, for some other of these schools, the Louisville's of this world, the Auburn's of this world. Um, not as much Oklahoma State where one of the assistants, but some of this dates back to when he was at South Carolina, but Oklahoma State, in you know, at least in football, you know, going back to the 80s, was. But USC wants so badly to do things right in terms of their investigation that they called in former FBI Director Louis Free and his firm, Free Group International Solutions, to work with them on conducting internal investigation. In other words, Lynn Swan, who's the athletic director at USC, called in the Wolf.
4: You ain't got no problem, Jules. Wait for the Wolf. We should be coming directly. You send in the Wolf? No, you feel better.
2: That's all you had to say. That's all you got to say, right? That's at the end. It's like, oh, you sent in the Wolf? Okay, we're good there. Like, the last thing that Lynn Swan wants, like, don't come across the street. That's what happens in college basketball is, for the most part, the school the, the basketball teams will get thrown under the proverbial bus as long as the NCAA chooses not to come across the street and investigate football. Basketball looks cool. It's fun. It'll make you a little bit of money if you make a run to the NCAA tournament. It brings, gives you some attention. But the truth is that football is where the money is. Football's where the TV money is. Football's where the donation money is. Football is king at universities. And when basketball coaches get implicated by the FBI, schools are embarrassed. But they will also sacrifice those basketball programs for the betterment of football. That's why SC called in the Wolf, Louis Free, who uh, the Free Report was the Penn State Report.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: Let's welcome in Mark Schler, three-time Super Bowl champion, Fox NFL analyst, uh thing, my, my takeaway from last night is obviously the Arizona Cardinals offensive line was was awful, especially late against that three-man pass rush. And as impressed as I want to be by the Cowboys, last night was more about the fact that the Cardinals are just not very good. like they're rebuilding whether they know it or not. Uh, but you have a much more keen eye. you're an expert analyst, of course a Super Bowl champion. you played in this league for over a decade. What's your takeaway from Monday Night Football?
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a whole lot different than you. I think the the Cardinals are an aggressive, outstanding defense. It's just going to wear out because the Cardinals offense can't stay on the field. They can't run the ball with any consistency, and they certainly can't pass protect. I mean, if you've got five guys that can't block three guys, then you need to find five new guys. I mean, that's what it boils down to for me. And, you know, oftentimes you try to get clever. You try to get tricky. You move your left tackle, who's been a left tackle forever, over to the right tackle position, thinking you're, you know, you're going to create an opportunity, and you end up creating two holes. Um, so it just is a it, philosophically, it's a bad look for me. Um, they very, they very much struggled, and and you know, you talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys have a formula. Um, they should have been down fourteen nothing right off the bat. A holding call on Valdir at the right tackle took away a touchdown. Then they miss a field goal, and and that's the way it goes. I think the Cowboys had three plays in that first quarter. Three plays in the entire first quarter. But it just goes to show you that if you can possess the ball, you can run it, you can set up your play action. We saw the the uh, Dak Prescott um, you know, rollout, or not even a rollout, but the read zone play where he goes around the edge and launches himself over for the touchdown. When you have the ability to possess the ball, to control the line of scrimmage, um, you open things up. And, and I think the biggest thing for the Dallas Cowboys is – Formulaically speaking, you know, people will talk about Dak Prescott being a game manager. Good. Manage the game because you've got to protect that defense. It's fast, they're young, they can make plays. We saw playmakers on that defense, but if if you let them just hang out there to dry dry, they're not they're not a they're not the most talented group. And you saw what happened when they had to be on the field for an extended amount of time against the Denver Broncos two weeks ago. So There's a formula, and and I believe that Dak Prescott is an outstanding young quarterback. He's going to be, you know, he's he's on his way to being one of those stars in this league. But there's a formula in Dallas to win games, and they've got to adhere to that formula. Otherwise, uh, they'll expose that defense and get blown out.
2: All right, the Denver Broncos defense could not have been more impressive in Week 2. It was was pretty impressive in Week 1 as well, up until the fourth quarter when the Chargers scored some points and could have tied in a late field goal. But then they go into Buffalo and lay an egg. Um, how much of this do you put on, hey, look, this is the sign that Trevor Simeon is just not good enough at the end of the day?
4: Yeah, I don't even look at it that way. I mean, I I look at Trevor Simeon made a couple of really bad decisions. Young quarterbacks are going to do that occasionally. He made a couple of bad decisions, but you've got to look at a coaching staff. When you decide to go for a a fake punt on your own 31-yard line and you leave your whole offensive line in, like the last time I checked there's not one offensive lineman that plays on punt cover none of us do and so I look at that and say well instantly you may have had what you thought was a good look but you completely tipped your whole you know you completely tipped the whole defense or the whole uh, punt um, punt return team that you're going to run a fake So that was just a bad coaching decision. Then you've got the second leading rusher in the National Football League in C.J. Anderson, uh, who was averaging almost five yards a carry. You gave it to him eight times. And, oh, by the way, Jamal Charles on nine carries was averaging almost seven yards a carry, and you only gave it to him nine times. So you put your quarterback in a bad position, a young quarterback in a bad position, without the opportunity to run the play action stuff and some of the things he's been so successful at. And then defensively, you know, it's funny because, coach, you're going to get this. Uh, ha- this will happen to you. You basically said to me defensively that we don't believe Tyrod Taylor can beat us throwing the football. He was 20 of 26 for over 200 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. And so you're a team that plays 90% straight man coverage, and you played a bunch of matchup zone coverage. So essentially, you, you were afraid that Tyrod Taylor in man might take off and hurt your run of the football. So you changed what you do. Um, Instead of just saying, hey, rush lane integrity and all these things, we're going to go ahead and change what coverage we play. And you gave up a bunch of crossing routes and a bunch of easy completions, things that you haven't given up. You know, you you really haven't given up in three years. And so there's another coaching decision that was made on your first road trip. To me, uh, just a couple of really bad coaching decisions, offensive coaches head coach, and your defensive coaches that really ended up costing you a game you probably should have won.
2: That's a Mark Slayer, three-time Super Bowl champion, former Denver Bronco, former Washington uh, Redskins. What were the Redskins able to do defensively to which uh, you had this high-powered Raiders offense that could never get off the ground? What did they do that, that allowed them to really stifle those Raiders?
4: Yeah, I was I was shocked. I mean, they took the punch to the Oakland Raiders up front right off the bat, creating pressure on Derek Carr, uh, creating turnovers right off the bat. But it was really just physical domination an offensive line that you normally see get off the ball, control the line of scrimmage. I think rushing, they had 31 yards rushing, did Oakland in that entire game. And they never did a very good job of protecting uh, Derek Carr, which is a real shock. And, and you know, I mean, that was taking the punch and maybe it's the excitement, maybe it's the crowd noise. You know, we saw that in Denver happen to the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, but they completely dominated. The Washington Redskins dominated the line of scrimmage from the very first snap. And that offense could never kind of get out of its own way. And, um, And so that was basically it for me. The front seven just completely dominated one of the best offensive lines in football in the Oakland Raiders. And you you just see, I mean, it just goes to show you that, uh, and it is interesting or funny to me, but wide receiver and all the things that we focus on, those are all completely dependent positions. If you can't block people and and no more – there's never been a time where that's more apparent than right now in this league. You can't block people. You cannot win football games in the National Football League.
2: No question about it. Mark Schlereth knows that so well. He blocked for uh, for, for years with uh, the Redskins and the Broncos. Joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, look, I know the Steelers are 2-1, and one, so it's not like there should be any sort of panic. On the other hand, like, you lose to the Bears. Heck, you could have lost to the Browns. Like, this is supposed to be a high-powered offense. I, I like... And and stink. I know we've talked about this. NFL guys tell us all the time. You don't know what you have till October first, anyway, right? But right. I would have thought they'd be clicking more. Why aren't they clicking more?
4: Yeah, you know, is it the holdout of the running back uh, Bell that didn't come into camp? Uh, Change the receiver position as you've lost a couple of receivers. Um, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I, you know, I look at this Chicago game. I called Chicago at Tampa Bay for Fox, and Chicago, decimated by injuries, couldn't catch the ball. I mean, I walked away from that game going, Boy, they'll be lucky if they win a game this year, as bad as they've been or as bad as they are. And I think you know sometimes as an NFL player and and you should never let this happen to you, but I think you watch the film and you're you know you're as overconfident or you feel the same way as I do. You watch that film, and you're like there's no way they're going to win a game they are that bad and they're that decimated by injuries. And they had a bunch of also rants playing wide receiver. And those guys should all move to DB after that game. Cause they batted so many passes down. It was just unreal. And I think you watch that film. Sometimes you become overconfident and, um, You don't prepare the way you need to prepare to win a football game. Remember, those guys are being paid on the other side of the line of scrimmage as well. Those guys have pride. And to me, it looked like the Pittsburgh Steelers went in there and just completely overconfident, completely ill-prepared to to face a team that came out fighting and scratching. And, And that's, I mean, there's no other excuse for me because the Chicago Bears are not a good football team at this particular point in time.
2: And then, of course, Tampa goes up and lays an egg and Jameis throws a couple of, of picks and they get lit up by Case Keenum in, in Minnesota, right? So it's like everything you saw and you learned um, when you were in Tampa, you completely forget when you see Tampa go into Minnesota. That's, just, that, that's how week-to-week this league is.
4: Oh, right, it is, it's exactly that way. And um, You know, interestingly enough, you look at Tampa, obviously they missed that first week and so they had one game under the belt much like miami and so you get all that but because of the hurricane they missed week one they were supposed to play each other so they they get that preparation they come off the hurricane you know they they get all that stuff they get kind of in a routine they win that first game you know they're not used to preparing back-to-back weeks they had a really interesting schedule missing that time and being away and everybody shipping out and then coming back and both of those teams look ill prepared to play in in week three. Tampa Bay going as you mentioned to Minnesota and losing, and then and then Miami losing to the New York Jets, where their head coach basically said, "You know we got our butts whooped." Um, he you know he he said a little bit stronger language than that, but that was it was interesting that both teams just were not prepared. And I think part of being an NFL player is you have these kind of really strict schedules. You're used to it. And uh, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but both teams just just played absolute absolute garbage football compared to what they did um, the previous week.
2: Mark Slayer is joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, last thing, Stink is um, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. We've talked about their offensive line, but it seems like there's a little bit more to it than that. Uh, is it as simple as solving their offensive line? And it's two road losses against two teams that people expect to be in the playoffs. They still have the Niners, and I don't think everybody's buying into the Rams yet. And the Cardinals look old, so it's not like they're not going to make the playoffs or be right there in the playoff hunt. But but another slow start for the Seahawks uh, is this: Are their issues fixable?
4: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, are they fixable? I, I think a talent is an issue with their offensive line. There's no question about that, but. The beginning of last year, if you go back, and I called a game um, against San Francisco where they kind of had a breakout in that particular game running the football, but up until that point, they had been awful, and that was probably week four. There were three guys starting on their offensive line a year ago that you looked at and you said, man, that guy should be playing, and they're starting, or they should be backups at best, and I think they started off that way this year again. And they count on Tom Cable, their offensive line coach, to get those guys going. They've got to develop a little bit of a better running game so that they can open up the edge to the play-action stuff. If you're not running it very well, people don't – I mean, they don't adhere to the fakes, and then it's harder to get your quarterback on the edge with, you know, with the the run-pass options that, that he presents and the athleticism that he presents. So, you know, it's partly running backs. It's mostly offensive line, partly running backs. And, when they get that more solidified, I think it'll open up some of the play-action stuff for them. But um, this is very much how they started last year as well, and they finished strong. So I still expect them, and I think you make up the great point, is the rest of the division is such that you feel like, hey, we're going to have our struggles early. We're going to have some growing pains, but in the end, you know, we're going to win 10 or 11 games, and we'll be right there winning the division.
2: You can see them all throughout the uh, Fox Sports 1 dial. Of course, you can hear them calling. NFL games on Fox. He's Mark Schlereth. Stank, thanks so much for joining us. Incredible insight. Can't tell you how much we appreciate it.
4: Well, anytime, Doug. Always good to talk to you, buddy.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
2: Alejandro Villanueva uh, served three missions as a ranger in uh, Afghanistan. played at West Point, comes from a military family, I think you've seen him on the uh, on uh, TV ads before, on the USAA ads. You've seen him on those. Okay, so I ripped Ben Roethlisberger because I didn't buy the big Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, if I could do it again, I couldn't sleep last night. I wish I was out there at midfield because uh, I would have had my hand over the heart because of the flag. I, I like Ben. If you wanted to be out there, be out there. If you didn't want to be out there, you know, if you if you wanted to be out there and you didn't do it don't go back and go like, well, I wish I would have. I just, I find that to be very phony and to fall very flat. Alejandro Villanueva actually apologized yesterday. I, w- I want you to listen to what he had to say.
3: Regardless of, of this plan, very few players knew that I was going to the tunnel because I only asked the team leadership. And so because of that, I didn't give them an the opportunity to stand with me. Uh, the national anthem. Um that, that is the very embarrassing
1: part uh, on my end and, and what transpires. Because
2: yeah. So we've, this is what I tweeted yesterday. When a former soldier is made to feel bad for saluting the national anthem, we have reached peak ridiculousness. Uh, I've tweeted things that are good, that are bad. I wish I wouldn't have tweeted in the past, you know, like everybody comment. I thought at the time was funny or whatever. Um, that sucker has 15,279 likes. That's the most of any any tweet. And I think we're all kind of to the point where it's like, really? really? Like, we made a guy who's actually served our country in the battlefield feel bad that he took it upon himself to walk, I don't know, 10 steps further than his teammates and salute the flag. Whatever happened in the Pittsburgh locker room where they got screwed up, like, The intent, I'm a big, what's your intentions? And their intentions were like, look, we're all mad. We're kind of united. We have different ideas on how we should protest. Let's figure something out. And he's like, you know, I just, I got to get out there because this is what I believe in. I don't understand. Somebody is going to have to fill me in on how we are allowed to have freedom of speech as long as it agrees with what I say. Like, that's not how it works. And if anybody has earned the right to respect or disrespect the playing of a national anthem, it's that guy. Way more than the 52 other dudes in in Steeler Black and Gold, Black and Yellow. So we have reached peak ridiculousness. And so if you're wondering, why don't you talk more about it? That's why. I'm officially done when we're criticizing that guy and making that guy feel like he's got to apologize for doing nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: The Cavs are trying to release a new album as LeBron's getting his band back together. Dwayne Wade's 35 years old. He took a buyout from the uh, Chicago Bulls yesterday. And according to league sources, Dwayne Wade hasn't ruled out the idea of a return to Miami. But apparently, this was an early report. Uh, he was—he's going—he's going to the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? So, this is the new look Cavs, or what could be the old look Cavs, or could be the last look Cavs. Uh, and it becomes quite interesting because what is Isaiah Thomas when he returns? From his hip injury. Because as Dan told us yesterday, the Cavs don't expect him back until January. Now, that doesn't really matter in terms of June, but January. They have Derrick Rose, remember? I think about the mixed match parts of former MVP Derrick Rose. They have J.R. Smith, Amon Schumpert, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, Jay Crowder, LeBron James, Kyle Corver, Richard Jefferson still still trying to play, right? Oh, Who look a little washed this year. Channing Frye, Jeff Green. Like, they got a lot of something. Jose Calderon they signed as well. Like, they just got a lot of something. But I, this is definitely, this is, this is, this feels like a behind the music. Hey, we're getting the band back together. You're like, man, they just look old. They do not look the same. You go hear them at like the county fair, like the state fair. You're like, man, why are those guys still doing it?
0: (laughs) Why are (laughs) they still still doing
2: it? Why are they still up there? Like, man, (laughs) they have they got bills to pay, man. You know, thank you, Cleveland. Um, I mean, look, I'm I'm interested in it. There's some really kind of clever pieces, but like, you can't play Isaiah Thomas and Derrick Rose together. Just too little, can you? Just too little. And it, then what do you do with J.R. Smith and Kyle Corver And, like, their their problem was they couldn't guard Kevin Durant last year, right? Like, they just didn't. And, you know, if you focus on Kevin Durant, then who's going to guard Clay Thompson, Steph Curry? Boy, I I don't know how much better they got. They're different, but I'm not sure better. Yes, Ramos?
3: I thought, I was telling this to Ryan, I thought D- Dwayne Wade didn't like LeBron. I didn't they have a problem when he left Miami? I thought that was a, there was a big problem with him, like when LeBron left. Like nah, ah, they're, no, there wasn't. Nah,
2: they're, they're boys. Okay, they're boys. I think Dwayne Wade's problem, and this is what they, you know, they they made it out to be. Hey, Pat Riley used Dwayne Wade to take less money to get LeBron, and then and then last summer wouldn't pay him so that they could go out and get um, Hassan keep Hassan Whiteside right. And they still. You know they offered him like eight million dollars less, and the the Bulls overpaid him to come home. Like that would somehow uh, figure, you know, fix things. Yeah, music.
0: So as long as LeBron is on that team, are the Cavs still the best team in the East? Um, I
2: think so, but I don't know. So like, I actually think the East is pretty competitive now. Like Boston, remember, has eleven new players. That's a lot. That's a lot. You still have the Wizards who are, right, who are I think, in the conversation. I think everybody wants to know what becomes of the Heat, whereas the Heat suddenly got better at the end of the season and nearly made the playoffs. Then you got Milwaukee, who doesn't seem to be far off, right? They have a burgeoning superstar in their own rights, but they're missing some stuff. Yeah, the Cavs are still—but remember, the Cavs didn't have the best record in the East last year. And that was with Kyrie Irving. And now you have Dwayne Wade, who's still good, but not nearly Dwayne Wade of old. And the, the big challenge to Dwayne Wade is like, are you going to be happy taking a tertiary or even lower role? Like, I don't know how all these pieces fit together at all. They're just a bunch of pieces. It's a weird team. Like, Kevin Love is a good player. But how does Kevin Love fit there? If you have to play him, you got to play him at power forward. If you play center, you have no rim protection. You play Tristan, you have rim protection and a rebounder, but a non-scorer. Okay, but then if you play those two, there's your kind of rebounding. Or you take Kevin Love out and you play LeBron at the power forward, okay. And now you can play a bunch of guards, but Dwayne Wade's not a great three-point shooter. He's not even a good three-point shooter. Isaiah Thomas has to have the ball in his hands. I, I don't I don't love it. I don't love it.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
2: Denver Broncos are two and one in the season. Their linebacker is Brandon Marshall. He's kind enough to spend some time with us here on a Tuesday on the Doug Gottlieb show. Brandon, how are you?
1: I'm good. How about yourself?
2: Good man. Uh so look, last year, uh you took a knee. First half of the year, you took a knee. And there there were some a lot of people that didn't like it. What was why did you take a knee?
1: Oh, I, I took it I took a knee because um, you know, of the racial inequalities, inequalities I'm sorry. Um, you know, that that's going on uh, uh in this world and you know, um a lot of the you know, the the shootings that happened, you know, last year and uh, you know, nothing was happening, um as as far as justice, so that's that's why I took it.
2: Okay, so then uh, by mid-season, you know, you had open conversations. I believe, right, with the head of police, with other community leaders. Is that is that one of the reasons that you decided to no longer do it?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I had a conversation um, with the police chief, uh, the Denver police chief, and um, you know, he, I, I got his point of view. You know, and he got my point of view, and a lot uh, a lot of people feel and. um you know, he, he actually um, – well, the department actually decided to change their use of force policy. So I take that as a win. Um, you know, I take that as – you know, I had a hand in that. Um, so, you know, after that, you know, I figured, well, I got my point across. You know, um, I, I I don't – you know, my feelings haven't changed. I got my point across, but um, it's, it's not necessarily – it's not necessary for me to kneel, kneel anymore.
2: Okay, so then, um, so then this weekend, what was it like for you emotionally, mentally – going into the game in Buffalo with what the president said Friday and the suddenly reinvigorated conversation about players kneeling and what you guys should do?
1: Yeah, man, I mean, I mean it, 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 you know, a lot of people um, decided to do it. I think we had 32 people on my team do it. You know, a lot of people came up to me and, um, you know, said they were going to do it and, and asked if I, if I was going to do it. And, and I said, look, I'm, I'm down. I i have been here before, so I'm definitely down to do it. But, you know, I think a lot of people took it personally. Um, A lot of us took it uh, very personal. You know, people that never even thought about kneeling before took it personal. So um, that's why you see the outcome that uh, that happened on Sunday.
2: Okay, so was this – I guess the question becomes, as somebody who had – like, look, you had a reason and you wanted to start a conversation and you end up getting something out of that conversation last year. um, Are you okay with people kneeling for all sorts of – because it felt like – people kneeling and owners locking arms like this was all more of a protest of what the president said than what the actual mm-hmm. protest was originally about. Are you okay with that? You, you, like, is that something that, that sits okay with you?
1: Uh, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm, I'm okay with it because, you know, like I said, you know, what, what the president said was, was extremely disrespectful. Uh, it ruffled a lot of feathers. So of course people are going to, um, you know, uh, I guess rebel, you know, instead of, instead of getting in line, people are going to go the opposite way. So, you know, I'm okay with it. Uh, You know, I definitely don't want the the original message to get lost in you know what the the president said. Um, But, you know, I'm definitely okay with it.
2: But you know, it's interesting because like, look what he said, were things that were said to you last year, weren't they? I mean, these are things that that Uh people, right? I mean, this is something you personally experienced, which I think other people were surprised by, but, you know, like, I'm sure part of you had to be like, yeah, this is what there are, there's a good, there's a portion of the population that thinks exactly what the president's saying.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's it's, (laughs) it's definitely a a portion of that population that agrees with him. Um, You know, a couple of my teammates came up to me and, and told me about the comments that they had in there. Uh, I guess on their social medias and stuff like that. But I was like, you know, I'm looking at it, I'm like, yo, that's, this is nothing compared to what I was getting last year. You know, last year it was just me by myself. So it was almost like target practice. You know, anybody that wanted to say something said it. Um, you know, I received a lot of, you know, hate mail. So, you know, it's, it's, it was definitely worse last year.
2: Do you put any part of the loss on this, on, on the protest as a distraction?
1: Nah, there's no way. There's no way. Um, at the end of the day, we're professionals. Um, just like you know, we, we could talk about whatever we want to talk about in the locker room or on the sideline, then then get ready to play. That's that's what we do. So, you know, this had nothing to do with our loss. Had nothing to do with the protest. Um, you know, we we just took a knee before the anthem. I mean, before the anthem. As um, soon as we got up, it was it was football time. But um, you know, we just the, the turnovers and the penalties just killed us.
2: Yeah, I mean even your head coach Vance Joseph even said, you know, there were some some issues both sides of the football in terms of preparation, in terms of execution. Now as you kind of gone back th- through it, um what's, what's your biggest takeaway in the loss to the Buffalo Bills?
1: Yeah, Matt, yeah. <laughs> we had uh some untimely penalties and untimely uh turnovers um that didn't help our cause at all. Um you know, you know, I we've we've had the best pass defense over the past couple of years so you know to let the quarterback go twenty for twenty six on us and is, is not acceptable. Um, you know, they they did a good job, you know, in, in you know, running zone zoned in and putting us in uh or, you know, running boots. You know, they they ran a lot of boots. Um, which they didn't show on film, but, you know, we should have known that they would um try to get Tyrod out of the pocket as mobile as he is, uh, as, as athletic as he is. So, you know, it was some things that, you know, we, we, we definitely need to clean up. Um, you know, we can learn a lot from this loss, but, um, you know, I I think it definitely had nothing to do with the protests.
2: All right. So now you have Oakland coming in. They're stinging off a road loss. They lost in DC on Sunday night. Um, and you guys have been the defense, as you point out, been incredible at home. But but Derek Carr is very very different, right? He's not Tyrod. They're not running boots uh, with him. What were the what can you take from what the Redskins were able to do that you guys can replicate?
1: Oh, uh, you know, I didn't even really watch that whole game yet. I just <laughs> I saw the, the the very end of it um, when I came home Sunday night, and I just saw you know I mean, at at that point they they needed to pass the ball, but uh, I mean the Redskins just shut them down. Just looking at the numbers, I saw they they just shut them down, man. They they, they played you know sound defense. Um, to hold them to I'm not even sure how many yards they had. If they had, if they even had hundred. Um for the Redskins to do that it it was uh it, it was spectacular. So uh, you know we can learn something from that tape. Uh, I think first and foremost you gotta stop the run with that with that offensive line. And you know obviously Marshawn and and, and I mean they have, you know, great threats to Ed White you know, Amari and, and, and Michael Crabtree. So um we got our hands full this week.
2: Yeah, Derek Arthur threw for one eighteen. Marshawn Lynch was their leading rusher with 18 yards. They had 32 yards uh, total. Yeah, they had just over 100 yards, about 125, 130 yards of total offense. That's that's all they have. That wow. that's crazy considering how they play. That offensive line, that quarterback, that's an amazing job the Redskins are ever doing. Isn't it?
1: <laughs> amazing.
2: Yeah, uh, Brandon Marshall joining us on the, on the Doug Gottlieb show. What about Vance Joseph? How different is it? You have a rookie head coach, but a guy that seems to be. Um, saw some of Akib's comments about how he has his back, and he's a guy that keeps it real. What's it been like in terms of regime change, and how this team has reacted to it?
1: Hey, yeah, man, uh, uh, Akib a- 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 was right. Vance, will- Vance will keep it real with you. You know, he came in and and he, he plastered um, uh, the word truth around uh, around the building. You know, uh, he- he's he's a big proponent on on, on keeping it real, telling the truth. You know. Uh, and, and and that's what we do, man. And and honestly, I mean, I, I really love um, the fact that Vance is our head coach, man. He's a, a great, great coach. Uh, he demands the best out of us, but he's a player's coach as well. So to have him, to have him there, um, you know, and that, he, he definitely understands us, you know, our bodies too. So you know, whenever we need some breaks, you know, he'll give us that. So um, you know, and he's passionate, man. He's extremely passionate, you know. So. <laughs> So to have him, um, as our head coach, man, it's, it's, it's great.
2: Uh, wait, was that a dog in the background?
1: Yeah, that's my dog. What kind of dog? <laughs> uh, English Bulldog.
2: English Bulldog. What's the English Bulldog's name? Yeah. Uh, her name's Lola. She, she snore? she got to snore like crazy, doesn't she?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, she snores. She, she snored uh, last night. Sorry, my doorbell rang, so she's going crazy
2: right now. Oh yeah, she's very, very vicious. You know, like a foot tall, but incredibly <laughs> vicious. Hey, um, you got a night of comedy coming up in October, right? October twenty third uh, at Comedy Works, and it's it's part of your uh, leadership program. the 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 proceeds uh, benefit the leadership program, doesn't it? I,
1: I'm sorry. Say that one more
2: time. I, I was talking about your night of comedy that's coming up. Now, are you getting on yes. stage? Are you are you doing
1: seven minutes of comedy? <laughs> uh, I, I wish, but <laughs> I wish I was. On Uh, I'm sorry. I wish I was that funny, but uh, I'm definitely not. uh, But you know, I'm gonna have Alex Thomas. uh, You know, he's a hilarious comedian. He's gonna headline the show, and we're gonna have some uh, some other funny guys come through, and uh, it's gonna be a great night.
2: All right, that's uh, that's October 23rd at uh, Comedy Works at South at the Landmark at uh, Landmark Place. Hey, listen, uh, you you really you need to. What's the guy's name? The uh, the dog trainer that. Cesar Chavez. Do we need to send Caesar Chavez? Caesar Milan. Do we need to send Caesar Milan over there? Uh the, the dog no, I, guy, right?
1: Absolutely not, man. I, I got a handle on him. She, she, you know, she's just going crazy because somebody left the door. Uh,
2: I like I like English Bulldogs a great deal. And uh we well, look best of luck this weekend. You got this crazy start with four or five at home. Uh you got the bye week after this week. Good luck against the Raiders and thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, it's Brandon Marshall joining us.
0: Let's go places.